Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are covering Hulu's Captive Audience, A Real American Horror Story. It's a really weird title too. Yeah, it doesn't explain the story at all. Yeah. Which is absolutely fascinating. It is a mindfuck. Uh, before we get into that, if you have any comments or suggestions for us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to email or be an absolute saint and donate, you can hit us up on PayPal at doctomepod at gmail.com. Or if you would like a sticker from the show. We totally have stickers now, and they are super cute, if I do say so myself. And also, seriously, give us recommendations, because it's really hard for us to just, like, pull this shit out of our ass on a whim. <laughs> like, we're running out of good stuff. Yeah, you can just email me with your mailing address, and I'll get that out to you. So let's get back to this. It's only three episodes, so it's like an afternoon watch. Yeah, I got through it in a day. Um. I don't think I mentioned it's on Hulu. Which, yeah, is an interesting platform choice. Yeah, it kind of felt like it. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to set the whole day aside to watch it. Um, right away, two of the executive producers are the, for this are the Russo brothers, who are known for directing four Marvel films. They were also involved with, like, Arrested Development, Community, Happy Endings. Like, So, basically, they're great legit. Great shows. <laughs> But not kind of what you want with this show. Yeah, it was interesting. I will say, like, I liked the intro, like, the music and stuff. Like, it was interesting for what it was. But it's funny to see people who are involved with, like, big comedies. Yeah, talking about, like, super, super dark. dark topics. Although, like I told you when I was talking about this initially, like they really don't go into too much. No, they don't. But I mean, if you know the story. Right. If you know the story, it's dark. But if you're just like watching this, it's like they kind of gloss over everything. But it's more the people who are interviewing it don't want to talk about it. So it's kind of just. Right. His family doesn't want to, like their family does not want to talk about it. And the interviewers don't want to push. So. No. But um Anyway, I just thought their involvement was surprising. And this was directed by Jessica Dimmick. She's done a couple documentaries, nothing I'd heard of. Yeah, I I think I read like a news article that she had done or whatever, like discussing how she decided to write the story or do this documentary or whatever. Um, Which is weird because, yeah, it has been covered lot of places yeah it's a it's pretty extensive which i think like, i mentioned in the end uh this was released april 21st so it's only been out not even a month yeah so one of the first things we hear in the beginning of this is quote you can't make a movie about something like this happening unquote which is absolutely true it's such a bizarre story if this whole story was a plot of a movie like it would be unbelievable yeah nobody would believe this uh, anytime I hear the Stainer case, I get so excited to talk about it because it's just absolutely fascinating. It's, I definitely, it was like one of the first cases that like I really, aside from like, you know, the obvious like Jack the Ripper kind of stuff. Well, I remember. It was my first like true crime that I was just like I had mind heard blown. the cases separately. It was, it wasn't until a couple years ago where I watched, I think, uh, 2020. And I was like, oh my God. Those They're cases related? are connected. That's no idea. So crazy. Uh, so yeah, you're in for an absolutely bizarre ride. December 4th, 1972. 
Seven-year-old Stephen Stainer was kidnapped in Merced, California, as he was walking home from school. Cannot believe parents just let small children out of their sight. Well, and the mother even said, like, during this documentary, like, she was actually supposed to pick him up from school, and she was late picking him up because she was getting something for the husband at, like, a hardware store or something like that. I'm just like, I can imagine, like, one, not being, like, there to pick my kid up. Like, yeah, I've had occasions where I've, like, forgotten or, like, overslept. from a nap you know and like forgotten like and then the school calls me but like also number two like the school didn't call and be like hey your seven-year-old is still here we're just letting the seven-year-old walk off yeah like you're supposed to pick him up like now like you know the school calls you yeah because your youngest is just a year older than this yeah and even then can you imagine her (laughs) dude no (laughs) i couldn't imagine my 12 year old walking home from school like no and it just like oh this is like whole her whole background story about like he didn't like to fight and he was just like a really like easygoing kid and blah blah, blah. and like back then kids listened to grown-ups and they yeah. trusted grown-ups not anymore lady no uh, you also have to remember that stranger danger like wasn't as prevalent and especially pedophilia not talked about at all oh, like at all that, like nobody zero. knew that was a thing no it did not have a name first off <laughs> yeah it was it was totally like you know this kid like sees someone on the street and he's just like hey like now my kid doesn't talk to fucking anyone <laughs> my kid won't even talk to other kids <laughs> in this they interview steven's daughter and son ashley and steven jr which has to be so hard for them to discuss this whole situation about their dad especially because they were so so young when their dad passed yeah they really like Like, the son said he doesn't even remember his dad yeah they talk about how they learned about their dad and his life by like reading media they had no idea who he was not not the best yeah that's awful insight to his life we'll get on into all that later um yeah like the pictures they have of him and the video and audio of him is for this horrible thing that happened to him. Yeah. So you don't get like, to know, like, the good side of him. And yeah, because I can't imagine they had, like, and first of all, he's one of five. Yeah. And so, like, I can't imagine being one of five that there's a lot of, like, home movies of him from, like, you know, or, like, Well, it's not like now stuff. where we just have a camera in our hand at all time. Right. So I can't imagine that they have a lot of, like pictures and videos and stuff like that from like birth to age seven and then obviously they don't have anything from like seven to you know yeah um but they wanted to be involved with this because it's a story that it's not just about their dad but also about their uncle but getting a little head (laughs) it's it's a family story yes we're here to talk about their family so that the story isn't just told through a third party of like how everything felt and what was happening right they're giving like their insight and perspective and also steven's mother Kay is a part of this which she's something else (laughs) steven was one of five children born of Kay and her husband delbert or just del for del i prefer delbert can you fucking imagine five kids like my house is loud enough with just two of them but like two boys three girls like I would die. Putting our kids together, that's still not enough. 
it's, and there's more adults in that situation. Like, like I can't imagine how much screaming is like going on in that house. Like my husband says, never let the number of children outnumber the adults. Yes. So back to December 4th, 1972. Kay was supposed to pick Steven up from school, but she had been running errands that day. So he walked home on his own. And after realizing he hadn't been up at the school waiting for her, she just drove home. And I, I think I read that it was rainy day too. Like, it just makes it even more like, why did this kid walk home? So at first I thought it was weird that he was walking by himself when he has all these other siblings at school with him, but apparently he got out an hour before the rest of them. Which is super weird. And his brother was, I think, at a different school because he was old enough. I think he was like in high school or something. So he got out even at a different time. But yeah, I thought it was so weird. I was like, all these kids and nobody else is in elementary school. And I think it was Case File said that because of his age, I think he was younger than the other one. So he got out an hour earlier. Interesting. Because then the youngest daughter wasn't even old enough for school. So yeah, it was, they don't really get into specifics, but I thought it was really weird. Like, well, why is he walking home by himself? He's got I all these other siblings. I also thought it was weird that they interviewed his younger sister. Yeah. Um, wouldn't have even, like... Been aware, really. Yeah. So a couple hours after she got home and Steven still hadn't shown up, the family realized something was wrong and called the police, which is shocking back then that the police actually took this seriously and started looking right away. Right. Instead of like, oh, he was a runaway. Or like, oh, did you call around to his friends? Yeah, he'll be home. And they have a ton of people out looking for him, including the local Boy Scout troops, which the 70s were a fucking Wild West time. Like, I wish the Boy Scouts still did shit like that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Kids should not be out looking for potential bodies of other children. Like, that's I know, so but like, I would up. be way more active in Boy Scouts if I could go on body hunts. <laughs> I'm just like, saying. I heard that part. I was like... Why was that okay? That was totally a thing, like, in several cases I've read about. Yeah. Like, they'd be like, oh, some kid lost on the mountain? Call in the Boy Scouts. Well, even then, like, how many other cases where it's just, like, kids stumble upon bodies? Like, didn't that happen? Um, Robert Durst. Yeah. With the one guy in the ocean. Kids stumbled upon it. That's insane. I never found anything cool. No, and I was out all the time. It's not fair. Maybe we should take up jogging. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's the only only situation <laughs> that would get me to run. <laughs> While walking home, Stephen is approached by Irvin Edward Murphy, who had been described as naive and simple-minded, who had been enlisted by Kenneth Parnell, which I got confused with. Isn't it Kenneth Parcell on 30 Rock? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> A co-worker who had told Murphy he was an aspiring minister. He had talked Murphy into helping him abduct a young boy so that Parnell could raise him in a religious type way. Which, ugh. What the hell? Oof. So acting... That sends off our creepy vibes and, like, this guy's just like, that sounds sounds like a great idea. It's fine. Uh, Acting on instructions, Murphy hands out religious pamphlets and asks young boys about donating to the church because children like to donate to church they have stuff to donate yeah they have plenty of things in their pockets and backpacks as they are walking home from school he asked Stephen if his mother would like to donate and asked Stephen where he lives so they could go and pick up the items 
a white Buick driven by Parnell pulls up and Stephen willingly climbs in and Murphy thinking they're headed to his home and instead Stephen is driven to Parnell's cabin in Kathy's I think Valley which is about 22 miles from Merced not going to go into a lot of details, but Stephen suffers a lot of sexual abuse during this time and is told that his parents couldn't afford so many kids and that he wasn't wanted, so Parnell now has custody of him. Right. He's his dad now. Yeah. Which, I mean, a seven-year-old's going to believe that. I mean, I'm They sure. still think Santa is... Oops, sorry, kids, but... I mean... Children, children should not be off. listening to <laughs> yeah. this, but... yeah. Um, yeah, no, a seven-year-old would totally believe that, especially if, like, he realizes, like, his family probably is actually, like, burdened with, you know, the whole having five children is very expensive. Like, I'm sure he's heard them fighting and, like, you know, situations where, like, oh, no, we don't have the money for that or blah, blah, blah. Or even just, like, parents not paying attention to you because they got four other kids that they have to focus on. Yeah, and and so I'm sure that he was just like, okay, that totally makes sense. They don't want me. So, yeah, and adults don't lie. Come on. Kenneth Parnell is now dad, and he isn't Stephen anymore. He's now Dennis Gregory Parnell. I think it's interesting he kept the middle name the same. Maybe he liked it? I think that's so weird. Gregory? I actually like that name. And he kept the same birth date. Like, that's not really changing that much. So the media does pick up the story and they carry it for as long as they can until everyone gets bored, which happens. But according to Kay, the mother, Stephen saw it at the news at some point and tried to run away, but got scared and went back. Because he didn't know where he was. Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. He's fucking seven. Yeah. Kenneth Parnell and now Dennis move all around California. I really hate that name. What, Dennis? There's worse names. I made it very clear the names I hate, but (laughs) Dennis is fine. It just makes me think of Always Sunny. And the Dennis method. (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, they move all around California and eventually settle in Comchi. And throughout these years, he's attending school. Which is wild. Yeah. This features interviews with the teacher and friends he had. And everyone describes him as being shy and Kenneth as being a straight guy compared to other people being hippies. Except for neighbor Pat, who didn't put up with this shit and knew something was wrong. It was like, basically like, I told my kids not to go around yeah, him. I loved her. So, Dennis... It's also just... interesting that they considered him like, a square and all this, like, or, you know, you know, being, yeah. you know, not a hippie. Considering, like, he was letting Dennis do all kinds of shit. Yeah. Well, he wasn't over there smoking grass. He had jobs. Okay. <laughs> it was easy to get away with shit. Okay. So, yeah, for now, we're just going to call him Dennis. Um, he didn't have a lot of clothes, and he was dirty often, but he had friends. They just could never go to over, over to his ha- house, which there's some red flags, but I guess people just thought it was weird, but okay. It's not anything really terrifying. He has chances to come forward and tell someone about who he really is, but Kenneth just gives him all this freedom to drink and smoke and do whatever he wants. And also, Dennis is terrified of him because of the abuse. Yeah, he didn't even really have to threaten him physically all that much. Like, it was just, like, the implication. Yeah. Um, 
Plus, he had been told his parents didn't want him. So even if he left, he fears being put into foster care. So he just stays. Yeah, he's like, maybe this isn't so bad. And Kenneth even gets him a dog, which he names Queenie. Interesting name. And then they even get Corn Nemec, who played Steven in I Know My First Name is Steven for an interview. Uh, so I Know My First Name is Steven was a two-part miniseries broadcast on NBC May 22nd and 23rd, 1989. It received four Emmy nominations. It was a big deal. (laughs) It was, like, legit. Anyway, uh, Corrin listens to actual audio recordings of Steven recounting his life, and they have him read lines, which... was super weird to me. It's really bizarre. They had him, like put himself in like first of all like i feel like he didn't need to read the lines like they have the audio yeah we're listening to the audio you could just let him speak for himself why are you having this actor speak because they play the audio and then have him speak the lines i'm like we don't need that part he can just hear it and know like how this kid is feeling yeah it was it was really weird i didn't much like that they gotta prove that he's an actor you can't just look at his imdb page and he had to reprise his role. Also, keep giving this guy roles, because he was pretty great. They show some newspaper clippings about the case, and there's one where it talks about a reward being offered in the case, and next to that is today's chuckle. I always have to, like, stop and read what all this stuff is. So it said, um, Christmas is when your wife tells you to buy her something practical and then complains when you give her an outboard motor. Also, the seven-year-old kid is missing, and they plucked the last survivors from the Andes air crash. You know, the one where they resorted to cannibalism. All this is on the same page. But also, haha, this sexist joke. <laughs> yes. But I was like, why do we have today's chuckle between these two horrible stories? Also, clearly the 70s. <laughs> yes. Fucking wild. So, rumors start about how Stephen was murdered and buried or murdered and chopped up, which... I never understand what would make someone just make up horrendous stories like that. And, About a child, And bother grieving families. Like, his siblings are hearing this shit. Well, I mean, and I can understand, like, the opportunity, like, you know, they're like, oh my god, I can make money off of this, and, like, maybe try to ransom, but, like, why would you, like, feed fake ideas yeah. about, like, a murderer? Like, yeah. It's gross. So, the other kids in the family hear all these rumors, but they're not even allowed to discuss Steven. So it's like, you hear all this horrible thing, you have all these horrible images, but you just have to keep pushing it down, because we don't talk about it. They're just stuck with all these images, they don't know what happened to their brother, they can't even talk to the parents about it, like, it yeah, it doesn't basically, help. basically, anytime you talk about it, like, the parents cry, and you yeah. don't want mom and dad to cry, And it so doesn't like... help that, yeah, the parents just change, mom never leaves the house in case Stephen calls, and dad just gets angry and emotional and just checks out when it comes to caring for other kids. Dell just assume he's dead and Kay's full of hope and trying to keep the family together. It's it's a rough dynamic. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite imagine. Um, no. I have a lot of walking on eggshells in that house. Yeah, and of course, no therapy. No, 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 no. Not a thing. At some point, Dennis is hanging out with his friends and kind of breaks down and tells them he wants to go home to his real home and his friend like during the interview he's just like you know i told him i was like your home's like right over there like you can just go home and he's like no my real home or whatever and he's like we had no idea yeah they're young they just brushed off this dude's weird yeah like 
something. Because nobody imagines, like, oh, my friend was kidnapped and he's been abused all these years. Yeah, just, like, completely mind-blowing that that yeah. could happen. And they have no idea what is even happening at his house. Yeah, they just think that, like, he has a really cool dad who lets yeah. him get away with, the, like, doing all kinds of crazy shit. Although, maybe smoking and drinking is not that wild when you're, like, 12, 13. So Kenneth felt that Dennis was getting a little too friendly with other kids and his teachers, so they pack up again. And it's always to these small, rural towns. As Dennis gets closer to puberty, Kenneth Parnell starts to look for a young kid to kidnap again. Because Dennis is getting too old. Yeah. Which is crazy because he's like 14. Yes. He tried to get Dennis to help, who purposely messes up. Um, February 14th, 1980, Kenneth comes home with five-year-old Timmy White, who he kidnapped from Ukiah with the help of one of Dennis's friends. Which, like, what the fuck? Like, I got friends, but I don't got kidnapped friends. He bribed him with weed and beer and... I mean, I love partying, but not no, that much. You know, like... On March 1st, 1980, while Kenneth was away at his night security job cool guy. Dennis, fearful of Timmy going through the same torture he went through, decides to hitchhike and go to the police station. And his intention is really only to just drop Timmy off. Yeah. Like, he is just, like, trying to get him to safety. Yeah. He's so incredibly brave. So, I love the story of the asshole cop going over to the Stainer house. The dude tells Kay, hey, we're here about Steven. So, they just assume right away, okay, they found his body. Well, first of all, she thought it was about Carrie. Yeah. Because, you know, he's a teenager. Carrie gets in trouble. But just, we're here about Steven. Like, why would you say that? No, like, you should say, we found Steven. Yeah, bust the door down and go, hey, we found your missing kid. More accurately, Steven found us. <laughs> yeah. So they just are like, okay, our kid's dead. Cool. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we found him. He's alive. It, it was just poor planning on the cops. Which, like, is amazing because, again, it's been seven years. Yeah. Like... Anytime he's, they find one of these kids, I'm always been, shocked. He's been missing longer than, like, he was alive with them. Yeah. And then they just plop down this 14-year-old and 5-year-old who went through all this trauma in front of the media to talk about the escape. Before he's even met his family. Like, he's literally being interviewed on camera before he has been reunited with his parents. What is wrong with people? It is insane. And again, no therapy. Yeah, but let's put him in front of the camera with all these flashing lights and people yelling at him. Asking questions. So it's 24 hours before he gets to go home, and it's just a fucking media circus. Like, I get it. This kid's been missing for years, and he saved another kid, but, like, that's a lot to deal with for a 14-year-old. That's a lot for anyone to deal with. Like, holy fuck. And all of this is just episode one of the series. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I was like almost four full pages of notes. Just, it's so much. So Steve's back to his family and back to his life, but things aren't that great. The media is following and harassing this kid, even at school. Which They're literally in his classroom. I don't know if you remember what it was like at 14, but I didn't want any attention on myself. No. God, no. I don't even still now today. I mean, I was a class clown, but... That was because of ADHD and no medication yet. But I didn't want actual attention on me. 
So yeah, that's terrifying. They, and his mom's even like, oh, this is back when like they didn't have like all the security at schools and stuff. Like you could just <laughs> you know walk before in. all the kids were just slaughtered. Yeah, like you could just walk in and now you gotta be buzzed in and you gotta show an ID. Oh, you have to like. I remember is. I think the middle school, you have to show ID at the door. Yeah, they have a ring doorbell. On a camera. Yeah, you have to show your... Before they'll even let you into the first section. Yeah, and then, then they'll check you in and let you... And then let you go through locked... It's... Yeah. Yeah. It's like two double locked doors. But I mean, in fairness, this is very gun-heavy case... Or state, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the security. I do, too. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, he's just trying to get back to his old life, and you've got these people following you around. Like, literally, he's in class. There's camera crews there sitting in class with him. Yeah, like, he leaves for the day. They are taping him, like, driving off in the car with his dad. Like, just like, It's a lot. Give the kid a break. Even better on the news report, they state that because of his erratic schooling over the years, he's fallen behind and need tutoring, which now to us, we'd go, oh, that's sad. But to, to these other kids, kids hearing the story, they would be fucking. Savage. It's just fodder. Yeah, like, you know, what it's the bad fuck, enough, guys. It's bad enough that they're advertising that this kid, this one pictured here, was kidnapped and held for seven years. Yeah, but also like he's fallen behind and needs a tutor. Look at this dummy. <laughs> yeah, like God. Just, like what happened to like you know just protecting children? Just forget what being a teenager is like. So it only gets worse. Oh God. And before he had all this freedom where he could just come and go as he pleased, smoke and drink. And now he's got this dad who is still imagining him as a seven year old. And yeah. just, it's just more frustration and on top of even, everything. You can even see like during the interviews, like that they're on film or whatever, like how the dad like is holding him and stuff. Yes. Like, like he's does not want to let him go and yeah. he's babying him. Yeah. It's, it's, He's not 14. He's, you know, seven. And again, we don't discuss what happened to you. Don't mention anything about how you were brutally raped from the age of seven. You're not dead, so clearly you were well taken care of, is how they treat this. Yeah, and, you know, his mom is basically like, oh, we just think of, like, only the happy times. Yeah, Kay knew he needed to get therapy, but Del didn't believe in that fucking sort of thing, of course. Just sneak, him that, like, just sneak him off and take him to like, a therapist. Not like, only was he, like, brutally raped by by Dennis, or by Kenneth, but, like, he also had, like, a girlfriend at one point in yeah, time. Yeah, I'm getting to that later. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Because it's like, there's a lot they don't there's talk about. There's a lot, yes. And, yeah, definitely the next episode, I... There's a lot. Yeah. Um, Steven isn't the only victim in all this, because his siblings are also dealing with this shit like they have to adjust to this new life of oh our brother is back yeah like they like carrie even talked about like he had a room to himself for all these years and now got your kid brother moving back in and all the attention's on him because you know yeah they're dealing they're also dealing with all this media attention because people are like oh what's it like to have your brother back and they also feel like they're being ignored by their parents who are busy trying to make up for seven lost years Shit just wasn't handled correctly, and even Kay admits that now. I don't know how I feel about Kay. I know how I feel about Kay, but... <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah uh the one sister admits that yeah all the kids were jealous but as we'll learn later it seemed like older brother carrie really had some jealousy issues yeah he took it a little hard which is weird because he's four years older so he would have been like 17 18 like as soon as i was 18 like i pieced the fuck out as soon as i could yeah I'd... but it seemed he might have had other problems as well which we'll get into later <sighs> so court stuff is coming up and in the media they're just discussing why parnell would want son so badly that he was we kid- would kidnap these two boys and they just gloss over the fact that he had been arrested before for basically the same thing. They also did not know anything about the sex abuse. Right, they did until not. Until a reporter went into Kenneth's trailer or home and found Photographs. pictures. Yeah, they found Polaroids because... Stephen did he not did want not. to talk about it. No, he did not talk about it. And basically, like, they had to call him out on it and be like, yeah. we found these. Yeah. And even then, nothing gets done about it. But that's because laws were different. We'll get into some of that. How infuriating it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was so pissed. Like, this case pisses me off so much. Just so mad. In March 1951, which is insane, he was arrested for sodomizing a young boy and impersonating a police officer and was sentenced to four years in prison. He lured the boy using a deputy sheriff's bag he, badge he bought at an Army-Navy surplus, surplus store. So, I don't know. Maybe don't let people walk off the streets and <laughs> buy, buy things badges. like that. Seems weird. A little too but trusting. Also, also, what the fuck? Don't just give four years for sodomizing a child. Yeah. And then he's able to just get out and do it again. Um, in a later interview about this crime, he claimed he kidnapped and molested the boy because his wife was pregnant and he had to find another outlet. And it was a small child. I don't a bullet to that. So, I don't know. Most men just have affairs. Yeah. Like, they don't... With like, adults. Yeah, with consenting adults. Not little boys. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Whoa, okay, go ahead, sir. So, I don't know if you've seen who took Johnny. Yes. But... That case was just two years after Stephen came back, and even then, pedophilia wasn't discussed. Which is just so mind-blowing, because it's not that it wasn't happening, because it was fucking happening oh my like God. crazy. Well, look how long it took for, like, the Catholic Church stuff to, like... Come to light. Oh, yeah. Well, not even to come to light for something to actually happen. Well, and even now, it's still, like, they just shuffle them around, but yeah. some of them are starting to go to prison. So, yeah, uh, kids were kidnapped because other people wanted children, not for anything sexual. Which is how this case was handled until they found the pictures. Which, like, kidnapping for because somebody wants a child makes, you know, more sense when it's a baby. Yeah, how often does that happen? It's very rare. Very, very rare. I mean, I can think of, like, a handful of cases. But yeah, it was always they took the baby out of the hospital or exactly. something. Exactly. Took the baby from the parents, took the baby from the hospital, and it again is a baby or a like very small toddler, yeah. not a seven-year-old or you know, ten-year-old. So yeah, once you find the child sex abuse materials, you can't just keep lying about nothing happening. And of course, the media finds out and publicly announces it because people were awful and didn't know how to handle this sort of thing. And then kids at school found out about it. And, and we get to bully him. And they are relentless. And the principal. 
on camera basically like oh we've got some good kids like the worst that's gonna happen is the girls following around it's like what do the you fuck know is that anything mean? about children like they're they horrible little monsters you don't even have to have a bad name and they'll find some way to make fun of you like don't go out in public on laundry day those kids are relentless they're so mean so here's when things just get worse and basically no justice really served Kenneth Parnell has two separate trials for kidnapping both boys and is never charged for the sexual assault because they either occurred outside the jurisdiction of the Merced County Prosecutor or were past the statute of limitations, which shouldn't exist for rape cases. That's insane. No, absolutely not. Even now, we still have it in Texas, I know. Which is just mind-blowing. Like, you should not ever be able to get away with your crime. No, the prosecutor in this trial was just... Horrible, this whole, this whole case yeah. is frustrating. So Parnell ends up being sentenced to seven years, but of course was paroled after serving five. He spent less time as punishment for kidnapping a child than like he held this child in captivity. Yeah. Like it's absolutely disgusting that everything's like, horrible. Let's just burn it all down. Seriously. Like I I'm never more disgusted with life than I am when I, like, remember this case. I'm shocked he made it out of prison, honestly. I am as well. And also, like, well, you, I'm sure you're going to go into, like, how, you know, he got seven years or whatever for... Go on, go on. I can always cut it out. Um, yeah, I don't get into it too much just because it is a lot of... Like, laws have changed because of this case. Like, he didn't even get more years for the second charge because, like, they had already sentenced him to, like, the maximum, yeah. basically. Yeah. So, seven years was the maximum. Yeah. So he got seven years, you know, basically for for kidnapping. And raping this child for years. And Seven years is the maximum. Didn't even get, and he gets good behavior. Didn't even get more years added on for Timmy. Yeah. Because he was already sentenced to the max for Stephen. Yeah. And so, like, again, like, he got seven years sentenced for both children's kidnappings and only served five. Whereas, like, he held Stephen captive for seven fucking years yeah. raping him. But the whole way they treat it is the kids are alive. Which so it's is, not that bad. It's just, that's what was repeated like multiple times throughout this as well at least they treated him okay and i am always thinking no there are worse things than death and i tell my kid that sometimes yeah like you have to be safe on the internet or you have to be safe like with people that you don't know because there are worse things than death and she has no idea what i'm talking about yeah there are worse things than death yes like being kept alive and having a brutal horrifying existence yeah like there are some situations where you would rather be dead. There's shit that happened to me. Like, I've. It's been so many years since then than before it had happened, and I still suffer through that shit. Like, it's insane. But you just don't talk about that stuff. No. It's so weird. Um, Edward Murphy, the guy push who. Push it down, push it down. I know. It's my husband's like, you don't cry that much. I'm like, no, I just. Step until it down. the explosion. It'll happen. Don't know when, but. Edward Murphy, the guy who helped Parnell kidnap Stephen, was sentenced to five years and paroled after two. 
Stephen said Murphy was kind and felt that he was also manipulated. Parnell was just as much a victim as he and Timmy were. Like, it's really odd, the relationship. I think that, like, when they, you know, they or they said he was, like, simple-minded or whatever. Yes. Like, yeah, I, I mean, he was clearly, like, delayed. And yes. <laughs> maybe um, that played a part in it like he probably i i would think mentally he was probably more like a child himself yeah um steven's friend sean poorman who helped parnell kidnap timmy is sentenced to juvenile work camp i think like two years or something he got and something i don't remember ever hearing is about parnell's girlfriend barbara mathis who lived with them for 18 months and according to Stephen, she also raped him starting when he was just nine years old. And what's mind-blowing for me about this is that she was like, well, I didn't know he was kidnapped. But, like, you were raping a child that you thought was no, your no, boyfriend's? No, 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 no. The worst thing is she had a son who was only a few years older than Stephen who also reported that he was abused by Parnell. I think that's the worst thing. I just, I can't. Yeah, she with would. All of these she people. would later say she had no idea Dennis was kidnapped and wasn't charged with any crimes, and she cooperated with authorities in Parnell's trial. So I hope she never had a day of peace again. No, I hope that she is burning in hell. Yeah. With the rest of them. So with no counseling, being bullied at school, Stephen dropped out and really began to self-medicate. He just. He just really started spiraling for a few years until when he was 19, he met 16-year-old Jody Edmondson, and a year later, they got married. He truly seemed happy, finally, in his life. Like, Normally, he I would struggled. be like, Ugh, A 19-year-old was 16-year-old, yeah, but... But I'm like, in this situation, I'm like, good for him. Yeah. Like, he finally seemed happy. He, well, and it's not like... I wouldn't say he's like technically 19 though like he did lose some years no exactly and that's why i think that like in this situation and like i would normally frown on like a 17 year old getting married but i really think that like she helped kind of ground him. yeah and i think that might have been like the only time he was truly happy and at peace yeah they had ashley and stephen jr and he was getting involved with public speaking with child abduction groups and speaking with kids about personal safety and wanted to be involved in law enforcement. He was even taking classes for that. He joined the LDS church, which I'm sure you guys know how we feel about religion. But in this case, whatever helps this guy. Yeah, good for him. So anyway, everything finally seemed to be going right for him. And in early 1989, the I Know My First Name is Steven miniseries is produced. Steve takes leave of absence from his job to help work on it. And even had a non-speaking part as one of the two cops who escort basically his 14 year old self home through the crowd which like inception it had to be feel bizarre he was happy with the series but did complain he was depicted as somewhat obnoxious and rude especially towards his parents Kay and Dell apparently hated it can't imagine why yeah and then tragedy strikes again barely four months after the premiere on the night of september 16 1989 steven is on his way home on his motorcycle after working at a pizza shop and is hit by a car running a stop sign just fucking awful 
he unfortunately wasn't wearing a helmet and died of a skull fracture at the age of 24. So fucking young. The driver of the car took off, but eventually turned himself in. Anthony Loera is only punished with a three-month jail sentence and a fine of $100. For murder, let me remind you. He a hit and run murdered this yes so poor jody is a widow at 21 with two toddlers fucking absolutely just maddening 500 people attended his funeral and 14 year old timmy white was a pallbearer So that's kind of where we'll leave the story for now, but it's not the end of the Stainer family, which we will get into with the final episode of this mini series. So we will be back next week with the conclusion. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Doctomy Pod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.